Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Need to stock up on any weather wardrobe staples? Check out American Giant for hoodies, jackets, sweats, and more pieces you can wear anywhere. All made right here in the USA. Go to american-giant.com and use code anystyle24 for 20% off your order. Hello and welcome to The News Meeting, the podcast that brings you into the newsroom to hear the arguments that happen in meetings just like this every day. I'm David Aronovich, I'm a columnist and a broadcaster, and in this episode three tortoise journalists will each pitch to me the story they think mattered most this week. Together we're going to make sense of them, and at the end it's my job to try and make a judgement about what leads, what follows, and in what order. So... From Podimo and Tortoise, this is the News Meeting. Here to pitch their stories are Claudia Williams, who is a reporter who presents Tortoise's Daily Sensemaker podcast. Hello. Mark St Andrew, who organises all the live events at Tortoise. Hiya. And Liz Mosley, who is an editor at Tortoise. Liz has worked for The Times... Welcome, Liz. The Telegraph, (laughs) Heat and Elle magazine. What a combination. (laughs) Magical. Before we hear what they think mattered most this week, here's a quick reminder of what's happened in the past seven days. The only crime that I have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it. I am convinced that it is safe to send refugees to Rwanda. Olivia Pratt Corbell died a scared nine-year-old and we hope Cashman is haunted by this knowledge for the rest of his life. Now I cannot determine what will define my time in this place but I do hope I've demonstrated something else entirely that you can be anxious sensitive and wear your heart on your sleeve. The former first minister's husband and former chief executive of the SNP Peter Murrell arrested early this morning. Police Scotland have been investigating SNP party finances for 20 months. Everyone stands equal before the law. No amount of money and no amount of power changes that enduring American principle. Okay, let's find out what my guests think we should be covering this week. We'll start with long stories short. In a single sentence, Claudia, what's your story? From the White House to the Courthouse. Mm, let's try and guess what that's about. Mark, you. Pork fraud. OK, and we mustn't confuse the two of them. And Liz. <laughs> I've gone for only the lonely. OK, let's get into those in a bit more detail. Claudia, what's your story and why do you think it matters most? So I have to admit that I've gone for what I think is the very obvious choice this week. Um, the story that, in my opinion, is not just the biggest story here in the UK, but probably in large parts of the world. And that is uh, the arrest of Donald Trump, the former US president, who's been um, arrested on 34 felony charges, making him the first former president in US history to face criminal charges. 
uh, the charges themselves and like the legal side of this is all a bit complicated. <laughs> so I might try to whiz through it quite quickly. Um, but in brief, he is accused of falsifying business records to cover up for hush payments. And that relates to a payment of $130,000 from 2016 made by his legal fixer, Michael Cohen, to the former porn actor Stormy Daniels. And that was to avoid a sex scandal coming out uh, during the 2016 election campaign. And Trump himself is accused of paying Michael Cohen back while he was in office in 2017 and then falsifying uh, the records to say that those payments were legal fees. And I should say that Trump is denying all charges. He's pleaded not guilty to everything. So on the face of it, I think it's clearly a really historic moment. Um, It's gathered huge amounts of press attention. Uh, It's played out like a Hollywood drama. We had this kind of waiting period of knowing that he was going to be arrested, the kind of Trump motorcade, 11 cars going down the road. You know, he's presented himself as a political martyr. He's you know, made all these statements outside Mar-a-Lago. He went back to Florida. So there is the classic Trump circus around all of this. Um, and I think it's really easy to be distracted by the theatre and distracted by what I would call Trump fatigue and think that actually this is just another example of the Trump spectacle. Um, something I see particularly among my friends, that this isn't something that they really necessarily engage with. This is just business as usual. This is just another one of those lying politicians. It's Boris Johnson, it's Partygate, it's all the impeachments, it's classic Trump. And I think the the kind of issue with this story and why I think it has to be the biggest story of the week is it really isn't normal. It's absolutely mad. And that kind of needs to to, to come across to audiences. Right. OK, Mark. Um, tricky one for you to argue against. It is, and I'm probably guilty of being one of those people that has fallen for parts of the theatre and the circus because, as far as I'm concerned, anything that means Marjorie Taylor Greene is on telly more is just a gift. I think the last... She was recorded yesterday saying that he, Trump was like Mandela and Jesus in that he was being persecuted by a zealot government or something. I think you may just have to explain who Marjorie Taylor Greene is for uh, an audience which is not American. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene. So I fell in love with her, I think it was about two years ago when she blamed... (laughs) I didn't expect to hear that ...sniggers (laughs) from the room. No, so she's an elected official, she's a member of the Republican Party and she turns up on some of... Well, she used to turn up on some of the more extreme kind of uh, news sites kind of representing all sorts of weird views such as blaming the California wildfires on Jewish space lasers and things like that and somehow she's now one of the go-to people looking when people when when outlets are looking for a, a spokesperson from the GOP and I can't work out if they're doing it because she's the only one who'll go in front of the cameras or whether they're doing it because they know she'll say something absolutely balmy um, and it, it plays to your point as well that this feels normal now like it feels the things she's saying are completely deranged and yet somehow she you know she had a 60 minutes interview uh quite recently and wasn't challenged on any of her kind of views where she just calls democrats and anyone she disagrees with pedophiles and that kind of thing so the whole american political system is bananas and i think this is the latest chapter of bananasville yeah anti-semite uh low libel of people and what's not to love really (laughs) um uh, uh what do you think liz uh Disappointed there's no mugshot. 
But either way, he wins, I I fear. Mm. Yeah. If he goes down for it, he wins because they make him a martyr. And if he gets off, he wins because he's won. And my fear of the wall-to-wall coverage is that it's absolutely plays to um, the Trump project. And um, I, I also worry, <laughs> perhaps for myself, listening into... Uh, I think it was Nigel Farage fighting with somebody else on possibly even the Jeremy Vine phone and I was driving the car. And uh, the 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 line which is, they've got him on a technicality and if you think that all those Democrats aren't up to worse things, then you're more fool. You know, I found myself thinking, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only because we find Donald Trump just an ins- an insufferable and revolting human being. I don't know how much I care about this specific thing that he's in the dock for. I don't know. OK, there's quite a lot to unpack there one way or another, <laughs> some of which is about whether the story is a big story and some of which is about whether you might be worried that he will benefit from it being uh, yeah. a big story yeah. and so on. And uh, maybe we should cons- take that into consideration. So, so I would say yes, and I think they're slightly different points. And I think the fact that he is our squeamishness with him utilising this moment doesn't make it not a big story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we have to grapple with as journalists. How do we tell this in a way which is true to the moment itself, which is, you know, we will be talking about this in 10 years. We, this is something that will go in the history books. It is the first ever criminal indictment of a former US president. Um, and I think the fact that he has the type of person who can use this narrative and he has a fan base who are willing for that to be used doesn't kind of conflict with the fact that this is in and of itself a big deal. And I also think the the kind of the way he is able to use it is also revealing anyway. It tells us about his grip on the Republican Party, the way that other Republicans are kind of rushing to support him the way that DeSantis has come out in support of him, even Mike Pence has come out in support of him. It tells us about his current control. And as you say, it tells us about the kind of next two years that we're going to face, that this is not something that can just be ignored and is going to go away. And you kind of ignore him, dismiss him, dismiss this at your peril as journalists and also as kind of people. Right. So that's Trump. Mark, tell us about your story and why you think this one matters. So this is a story that I've called pork fraud. And it is about the long term systematic uh, uh, industrial scale criminal fraudulent practice that's been going on in, um, the, uh, in British meat processing for at least 20 years, if not longer. Um, it was a story that was broken at the very end of last week um, by a journalist called Abby Kay in Farmers Weekly, and it's a result of months and months of investigation. And I think this is an important story because it highlights the fragility of our food supply systems. It highlights the fact that we are dependent on a very complex industry, which isn't very transparent. Um, and it's, there's a massive public health implication to this. We are a country that has first-hand experience of, of public health incidents caused by bad meat processing practice. So the story goes, um, a major British food manufacturer has been passing off massive amounts of foreign pork as British. And when I say massive, we're talking tens of thousands of tonnes every week. Um, and 
you might think, okay, well, that's not so bad. It's you know, the British pork or not British pork, but it's surely it's all pork. The issue comes up that the uh, a lot of this pork is not fit for human consumption. A lot of it is rotting. There are lots of whistleblowers that have come forward during the investigation with tales and photographic evidence of meat being left to thaw on the floor of the factory, of it being washed when it's visibly rotting, of rotting meat being mixed in with fresh meat, of falsified records uh, to, 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 to kind of swerve the inspectors um, and, and create kind of a false uh, paper trail for, for the meat that's going through the factory. And... The other second half of this story is that you've got all this fraud going on, but there's also a woefully inadequate uh, monitoring and, and tracking system on the part of the FSA, the Food Standards Authority, and the National Food Crime Unit, who exist to kind of crack down on these practices. The food being produced by this manufacturer is going everywhere. It's going to all of the big supermarkets. It's not just cheap tinned food we're talking. We're talking ready meals in Waitrose and Marks and Spencers. Uh, it's it's cooked meat going into Subway and and and, and IKEA as well as brand. Uh, consumer brand facing products. It's also stuff that's going into schools and and hospitals and and prisons and care homes. So where is where where were the inspectors? Well, they. Whistleblowers were sending in lots of reports and it took them quite a long time to act. But at some point, the FSA and the National Crime Unit, uh, Food Crime Unit, they started investigating. But then it gets even more ludicrous. Inspectors would turn up unannounced at 6am at the food factory and they'd be welcomed with a cup of tea. And in the 15 minutes they were being given a cup of tea, the factory, the employees were ordered to move the meat into hidden chillers, bung it onto lorries. Meat production lines are a, are a linear thing. There's a beginning and an end process, and the factories are often sort of circular in shape or square in shape, and they would keep the meat one step ahead of the inspectors all the way so they never crossed paths with it. There are secret chillers that were subsequently discovered when, again, whistleblowers reported it to the FSA, who then ordered the same... This is all one manufacturer. Ordered the manufacturer to list the secret chillers on their floor plan so they could be inspected. And again, like I mentioned, all, uh, falsified paperwork. So they would buy small quantities of, of bona fide meat from proper suppliers, which was all above board, and then use that paperwork for the entire week for all of this meat of undetermined origin, not fit for human consumption, uh, to give it the veneer of respectability. Right. Let's all of us discuss this. And now, Liz, pretty good story. Yeah. Well done, Farmers Weekly. Mm. Nice work. Um, gutted I don't get to know the name of the manufacturer and the chap that runs the factory it's bound to be a chap um, I think it's interesting the only thing that lets it down as a story are those sort of hard details where is the meat coming from how does it make its way into the country how does it get through customs you know there's yep. in order to d operate this on a really industrial scale over a period of 20 years that you say it's been going on it's not just the people in the factory that need to cover it up there's lots and lots of other people in the chain that need to cover it up so i really want to know i want to know all of that and maybe the details there we just haven't got yeah. time to go into it today but i'm i'm jaw dropped gobsmacked and all other flabbergasted those types of words about this story i think it's fascinating as well as libeling men because you've obviously <laughs> you've obviously you've obviously never seen chicken run is all i can say <laughs> claudia, <laughs> claudia before uh, mark comes back what do you think i totally agree i think it's fascinating and horrifying 
at the same time, and I love the fact it comes from a trade publication. I, one of the, I suppose, one of the detailed questions that I have about it is this separation between the the thousand tons of foreign pork, which is fraudulent, and then this suggestion of something else, which is dangerous meat. And I don't quite understand the the kind of split of those two things because to me they're two quite separate problems, um, both bad and both fraudulent but I'm interested in this kind of what was the scale of the dangerous meat is the, the, the thousand tons that you read about I think refers specifically to the the foreign pork and then there is also this suggestion of uh very dangerous meat E. coli yeah. meat, that kind of thing and I wasn't sure the scale of that like how big a problem was that so, so my understanding of it is that because the imported meat, none of the paperwork is true. And actually, that's the other thing. This is an industry where digital record keeping isn't mm. mandatory, which is absurd given the amount of bureaucracy that exists. You're supposed to be able to trace effectively a piece of meat back to the farm, but well, back to the mm. place where it was killed, the place where it was raised, the place where it was born, the farmer that raised it and, and the herd it comes from. And if all of that exists in a paper trail, I mean, that's just absurd to think that that's going to work out as a system. And because all the paperwork is effectively fraudulent, that means this foreign meat is unaccountable. So okay. it doesn't matter whether it's two weeks old, two months Got old, it. whatever. Um, it's all untraceable. And that's that's the problem. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, right. Uh, let's go on to our third story. Now, Liz, you've got a bit of a problem here because we've had the criminal president as story one and we've had the food companies trying to kill us all as story two. Yeah, um, and I've brought a story which is a woman you've never heard of dies of natural causes a long time ago, which is not a great strong pitch. Um, but I, I, I've, I've, de- I've deliberately brought it in, in the knowledge I'm not pitching um, the most important story. But actually, the, the brief for this is the story that matters most, which might be a slightly different thing. And I wanted to come and bring this story to talk about. It's the story of um, Sheila Celioni. So she was the woman who... Um, died in her flat in Peckham and her body wasn't found for 
two and a half years. She died in sort of, they think, August 2019. And her body was found in February 2022. And of course, in that period of time, the neighbours who lived in the block of flats around her, there was this terrible smell and these awful stories of um, the woman that lived below her changing her light bulbs and maggots falling through the ceiling. It was just the most dreadful thing. Repeated attempts to try and get the housing association who called Peabody to come and uh, knock on the door and see if she was okay. The police went round. They, you know, wrongly said that they'd found her safe and well and all was and all was fine, which is why she she literally was in there. Her body was in there, her remains, um, for two and a half years before um, somebody came and broke the door down and sorted it out. This story is not new in that the inquest was last July, so it's not a new thing. It's just resurfaced because the people who live in the block of flats uh, where she died have sort of think that they're going to bring um, legal action. It's been quite heavily covered on um, the BBC Today programme very well, I think, by a journalist called Harry Farley this week. And the reason why I wanted to talk about Sheila Salione is because I can't stop thinking about her. And I think it's an opportunity for us to think about what the news is and what it can do. And it may be because I'm a journalist and I work in a newsroom and I've become hardened, but I have four typical possible responses to the news. One is anger, one is fear, one is a sense of powerlessness, and the other one is nothing. And this story um, has made me really properly feel something that isn't one of those four things. And, And I... There, there is lots of things. One of the things we try and do at Tortoise is look at the forces shaping the news and the things behind the news. And when you get inside this story, because it stays with you, the idea of this woman who had no friends, no family, no regular employer who cared for her. She worked for an agency. Neighbours who knew that she they hadn't seen her around but her housing association was able to continue to automatically claim her rent via the Department for Work and Pensions because they have an automated system that enables them to do that when the rent payments stop. Um, when you when, when you sort of allow that to sit with you and consider the possibility, I found myself reflecting on all manner of other things. I found myself thinking about this drive over the last 20 years in organisations and institutions, commercial and public and, and everything in between, for they call it customer experience optimization. It's automate everything. Reduce the need for a human being to talk to another human being if you possibly can. I found myself reflecting on, and there's some great reporting in The in the Guardian, actually, by um, Adit Chakrabarti, who, who counted up over a five-year period the number of national news stories dedicated to housing association um, scandals effectively where housing associations hadn't looked after their tenants 1,315 and in that same period the number of national news stories dedicated to house prices 6,312 and it just has it sort of unearthed in me a, a way of thinking about how we choose these stories and what that says about us as a newsroom and us as a society, the things and people that get cared about and why. OK, there's an awful lot of different things in there and different reasons why you're suggesting that this is a really important story, including one or two I hadn't really thought of. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm going to put it out to you two now, Claudia. So I think... My worry about stories like this, my immediate worry, is that interest comes from a place of morbid fascination with deaths like this. Um, And I do think some of the 
and I, I'm absolutely not saying what you're talking about this, but I think some of the, the original coverage of this story came from that place of details and horror and sadness. And I, what I really like about the way that you've presented this is not coming at it from that perspective and looking at what one life, I suppose, can tell us about society. And I think the kind of themes of isolation, the systemic failure of housing associations, are, you know, that is so important. And particularly following from the pandemic, we've had two years of people being ever more isolated. I think your idea of, you know, that the the um, frictionlessness of society. We were talking about this earlier. We need friction. We need people to be there, to, to be checking in on people, to be making sure that it's not just a smooth system where you get automatic payments. What, what I think about it and whether in, it's the story that matters the most this week, I think maybe it's a very neat wrap-up of a lot of different issues and it might not be a story. It's kind of a, a spark that we could use to look into a lot of other really important subjects. I'm not sure it in and of itself is one story. I guess that's what I'm saying, that it doesn't count as a story in the way that news in general looks for what counts as a story. And I suppose that's why I'm trying to bring it to the table, which is to say we only follow our own rules. If we make a song and dance about Trump, that's because we're following rules about newness and bigness and those kinds of things. Those rules are self-determined. Mark, I think we... I, I do think there is something in about how easy it is just to kind of fall off of the world in respect. And and we like to think that we are sort of community driven and look out for people and that we have systems in place to do that. But I don't. Well, we clearly don't. There's something about the organisations that are supposed to that, that Sheila would have engaged with that says something that as long as everyone was getting paid when they needed to be paid, no one was paying any Absolutely. attention. And I think that's Absolutely. that's the bit that makes it feel icky. Okay, so are you saying that if you run this story, you should run it as the forerunner of a campaign? It feels like it's moving in that direction. And if you ask me what the campaign would be for, I don't know. Because weirdly, the thing I'm most interested in, it's perhaps because my background is in marketing rather than in journalism until I came to work at Sources. Um, It's about the creation of humanless experiences. And I'm really interested in the role of the big consultancy companies in delivering those big technology implementation platforms that enable, as Mark says, a person to be dead for two and a half years, but their rent to continue to be paid. Okay, so those are the stories. And in a moment, I'm going to make a decision about the running order, which one leads, what follows, and in what order. And at that point, argument will cease, because that's the kind of way I do things. But (laughs) before we do that, I want to know which one you think matters most. Uh, But you can't choose... Your own. That's the rule, of course. Makes sense. Uh, Claudia? I'm going to go with Mark and Pork Fraud. It's just a completely amazing story and one that I wish I'd found. And not, therefore, with loneliness, because... Not... I I think it's a, a case of not one being worse than the other, but one, in my opinion, being the story which is tied specifically to this week, whereas I think Liz is could be any week but is important in of itself uh i'd have to pick liz's because out of the two i know that that is the one that i would read that's the one that i would connect with and want to know more about the the u.s story i I get it 
I, I understand it's important, but it feels like this is just, you know, an, a, a, a small chapter in what's going to be an ongoing saga of, of US politics, which I don't really understand anyway. And I've tried, I've really tried, but it seems to make less sense the more I look, look at it. Whereas this one feels like something that could happen to me. And, and I, yeah. Okay, Liz. Port fraud, no question. Okay. Two for port fraud, coming from the other two of you. Uh, I just say, I think that's very sound. Um, the first thing to say, obviously, everybody will be doing the Trump story. And the real difficulty we'll all have is to, if you like, give some addition to it. Now, what I see at the moment is an awful lot of speculation about it, how it is that Americans might feel about this as the cases go forward. Uh, there is some polling evidence, but actually it doesn't tell us um, uh, what we need to know about the future. So... In a way, with the court case now in abeyance for a while and the front pages having done it and everybody having done it, I don't think I would uh, privilege it above what is uh, hands down one of the stories of the week. And actually, you could see it being the front page of any newspaper at any time and indeed at the top of news at any time, uh, which is the pork fraud story. Uh, firstly, it fulfills everything that a story needs to do. It is genuinely revelatory. I did not know it. It is also explanatory. It tells you what is happening and why it's happening with a, with, with a high degree of clarity. The only thing I would say is, as an audio source as we are at the moment, it's only a pity you can't see some of this meat or some of these products so you could actually make some judgments for yourself. If we can, but we could always sling that up on a website if it's an it's audio source green. we are. It's it's basically it basically green. goes it's green, green, and yeah. that it's is not a great colour yeah, for meat unless color. you are eating a spinach-based uh, curry. Um, uh, so I think... Uh, I, I, though I like uh, very much your idea of the campaign about loneliness, essentially, the first thing I'd say is these stories are uh, seem to me to be um, every two or three years. You get, and it's exactly the same thing, and people do, and it becomes thought for the day. And the bishop of so and so goes on and says it just goes to show that we're all this and all that and the other. And maybe we are, uh, and maybe that's true. But unless somebody's got a set of proposals which look to me like they're going to do something about it. I want to know about it. Maybe I'll have a, an opinion piece about it and make me think about it. That wouldn't be bad. Maybe even a magazine piece about it, which takes me, and actually you would be a very good person to write it in the way that you just have. But I think, actually, I mean, we're all for pork fraud, really, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Well, probably not as a concept. Well, probably not as a concept. Yeah, but, we're against so. pork fraud. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> we're yeah. very much in favour of it. <laughs> but that also gives you a kind of flavour, the, the listener kind of flavour for the way things are actually discussed in the newsroom, which is we do end up saying things like pork fraud is really good. That's it for this week's news meeting. Thank you to Claudia, to Mark and Liz for bringing the stories and to you for listening. Next week, journalist and TV presenter Rachel Johnson will be in the editor's chair. She'll be joined by three more journalists who will all be trying to convince her that they've got the story that mattered most in the news meeting. In the meantime, please rate and review the show on whatever podcast app you use. save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. A little focus goes a long way. 
and a whole lot of focus? Well, that puts you light years ahead of the competition. That's why at Vernon, they only focus on heating and cooling. And as the heating and cooling specialists, they're great at it, especially after 43 years. Get your AC ready for summer with Vernon's $69 spring tune-up. You heard right, only $69. Go to vernonheating.com. Vernon, the heating and cooling specialists. Talk you through the next few weeks of political chaos. Join me, Beth Rigby, Conservative peer Ruth Davidson. It's hard when you're running a campaign and you're on the go every day. Labour peer Aisha Hazarika will be joining us every Tuesday. What is he going to do to fix Britain? That is the really important message. With more special guests from Jess Phillips' subbench each Friday. So listen now to Electoral Dysfunction wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2 and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.